Today, the title of my topic, my sermon is The Call to Holiness. The Call to Holiness, taken from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, and 1 Peter 1, 15 to 16. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. 1 Peter 1, 15 to 16 says, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Now this song that we have just sang, Holy, 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 talks about the greatness of God. God alone is holy. Whenever I meditate on the holiness of God, I am fully impressed with how worthy He is of my worship. As we meditate on God's supreme holiness, we cannot help but be overcome with a sense of awe. This beautiful hymn, Holy, 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 express our awe of our living God. Church, this morning, we live in a time, very challenging time, where evil is all around, where moral integrity is no longer common. There's no such thing as absolute truth anymore. Everything is relative. But as believers of Jesus Christ, how do we impact the world? Some of us face extraordinary temptation as we live in the midst of sinful atmosphere, sinful surrounding. The student in the university dormitory or the man or the woman on a military base or aboard ship must often face an environment polluted with fleshly pleasure and lust. The businessman or woman is often under tremendous pressure to compromise legal and ethical standards to satisfy the greed and dishonesty of associates and those in authority. So unless the Christian is prepared for such evil assaults on his mind and on his heart, he will have great difficulty maintaining personal holiness. In two striking figures, Jesus showed us how we are to bless the world by the influence of our lives. In Matthew 5.13, Jesus tells us that you are the salt of the earth. You are, by living your life in the world, to preserve it from rotting. We are to be the salt of the earth, not merely in the words we speak, but especially in the influence of our lives. 
We must take heed, therefore, that the salt we are does not lose its savour, does not lose its power to bless. So we must make sure that the world is purified, sweetened, and made better in every way by us living in it. Secondly, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. We are lamps which Christ lights and which are to shine upon the world's darkness for its enlightenment. We must shine and brighten the world and lead men to love our Heavenly Father. So the call today, the call to, to live a holy life is not a suggestion, is not a recommendation, but it is a command. Next slide. It is a command. One we are to fulfill. So as disciples of Jesus Christ, we are to live righteous lives. Be an advocate for righteousness where you work and live. The question is, what is holiness? In the Bible, we find many aspects of God's, of the nature of God. We are told that God is light, He is love, He is just, He is wise, He is knowing, He is powerful, and He is loving. Holiness is the perfection of all His other attributes. There is nothing on the human plane outside of God and the people of God that has a claim to the title holy. Therefore, to understand the, what is holiness, we must know God. How do we define holiness? Holiness is completely set apart from all sins. Holiness is complete purity. Set apart from all sins and complete purity. The holiness of God is far beyond our comprehension that we struggle to grasp it. Even a small glimpse of God drives men to their knees. Isaiah, the prophet, he had a vision of heaven and the holiness of the Creator and he cried out, My destruction, my destruction is sealed, for I am a sinful man and a member of a sinful race. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Isaiah 6.5 When the angels surround, surround the glorious throne of God, they sing, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord Almighty. This reputation, Holy, 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 tells us that God's holiness is the supreme attribute of His being, the foundation of His eternal existence. His sovereignty and His role as judge are rooted in and flow out of His holiness. In fact, theologians speak of God's holiness as His central and supreme perfection. When we talk about God 
being holy, holy, holy. There is no other scripture I can find that describes God as, you never hear of God being eternal, 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 or faithful, faithful, faithful. There is only one attribute of God which is unique, and that is holy, holy, holy. So, so throughout the Bible, we see the response when, God, when God's people encounter God. No man has and can see God in all His glory. So Moses, Moses, when he was, when he was with God, he begged God to reveal His glory. But God said, no man can see His face and live. Why? Because what does not measure up to the holiness of God cannot survive in His presence. God demands for us to do more than acknowledge His holiness. He says, Be holy, for I am holy. So we are to strive to be holy. We are to pursue holiness. Why? Because He is holy and He wants us to be like Him. As the saying goes, like Father, like Son. So why be holy? Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Firstly, holiness is important for fellowship with God. Psalm 15, verse 1 to 3. Psalm 15, verse 1 to 3. Yeah, it says here, Lord, who may dwell... Let's read this together, okay? Read this together. Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary, who may live on your holy hill, he whose walk is blameless and who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart and has no slander on his tongue and does his neighbor no wrong. So to have fellowship with God, you are to firstly be blameless. Blameless means you are without fault, no wrong, clean, completely clean. Secondly, you are not to gossip. Don't tell tales. Thirdly, you are not to mistreat people. Fourthly, keep your word. I think the men in the, the, the men's conference, we learned a lot about keeping your word. Yeah? Let your yes be yes and your no be no because whatever is more than these comes from the evil one. In Matthew 5.37. And do right. One morning as I was going to, uh, for prayer in the morning, I was like uh, in charge of the prayer session for the morning, the 6.30 morning prayer. So I drove, I reversed the car, I reversed the car and there were, at that particular day, I don't know why, there were so many cars outside the house, so many, but it was quite dark. So I reversed right into my neighbor's car, <laughs> boom. <laughs> so I got down my car, I said, oh no, what shall I do? I have to make, make you know, rush to the, the, the prayer meeting. So I got into my car, I told my wife, I hey, get in, let's go first. So we, 
I was thinking I could come back after the prayer meeting, come back and then leave a note on, the, on his car. So I did, I went halfway, then I, I thought this is not the right thing to do. <laughs> the right thing to do is you go back and put that, your sticker on his car saying that, hey, please call me, this is my number. So I wrote down the, the note, put it on his windscreen and good enough, fair enough, he called me the evening and I said, yeah, I'm uh, very sorry I knocked your car, but I need to, I will settle it, you know, I'll give you this contact, and then you go there, you repair, and uh, don't worry, just, uh, I will pay for it. So that was done. That was done. So I did the right thing. Now, the right thing is to always, you know, when you're at fault, make it right. And tell the truth. Always do right. And tell the truth, during World War II, missionary John Wolfinger, he took a stand that personifies holiness. Wolfinger was leading a group of about 100 Christian converts in Borneo. When the Japanese took control of the island, they sought to arrest the missionary and execute him. Wolfinger's followers devised a plan to hide him in the mountains until the danger passed. Wolfinger, however, reasoned that by running from his captors, he would be giving his new converts the wrong picture of God. So when they urged him further, he explained that when the Japanese asked where Wolfinger was, was hiding, his followers would have to lie. And that was not acceptable. So rather than risk leaving his followers with a compromised picture of God's character, Wolfinger stayed. He was captured and he was executed. Wolfinger recognized that lying, regardless of the circumstances, did not meet God's standard and approval. At the expense of his life, he maintained the will to do what is right. Holiness paves the way to intimacy with God. Secondly, holiness is important for our well-being. Hebrews 12.10 says, If we belong to God, He will chastise us when we stray. God wants us to live a spiritually healthy life. That's why He disciplines us when we do wrong. God's wrath is part of His holiness. He doesn't chastise us for His profit, but for our good. God sees the end result and longs for us to inherit His promise. It is better to suffer His correction than to miss his inheritance. In our modern culture, people do not think of God as a judge. But the Bible forewarns us that God will judge. Remember, he destroyed the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. He struck down Ananias and Sapphira when they lied to the Holy Spirit. So God's warning of judgment isn't to make us guilty 
or fearful, but to direct us away from harm and toward the promise. Judgment has no power over those who can take refuge in God. This morning, where do you put your refuge in? Are you putting your refuge in the safe, in the bank, in the house that you live, in the people of authority? Or are you putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Only those who lack holiness will be left in the judgment. So this morning, I want to share with you three principles of holy living. The goal of holiness is likeness to Jesus Christ, to be like Jesus. Conformity to Him is the lifelong process. It isn't a one-time act, but a lifelong process of dying to self daily and living for Him. Church, it is impossible to live a holy life on our own. Impossible. We can never become holy in our own strength and our own abilities. We can live a holy life as we yield to the Holy Spirit. That's why we encourage you to take part in this 10-day, 10-day of prayer and fasting, where you, we encourage you to pray 15, hour, 15 minutes, <laughs> sorry, not 15 hours, 15 minutes every day for 10 days. You would have been praying for about one and a half hours in tongues, you know, for these 10 days. If you do that, church, there will be a difference in your life. I can guarantee you because the Holy Spirit will do a deep, deep, deep work in your life. You will never be the same again. So do it. Yeah, join us in this 10 day of prayer and fasting. His presence and His power give us the strength to live a holy life. Moment by moment. So those who walk with God will be holy because they inherit God's holiness. There's this story about Ruth Graham. Ruth Graham was the, was the wife of evangelist Billy Graham. They, one day she was going down the road and she saw a sign. And the sign reads, End of construction. Thank you for your patience. There's a slide there. Next slide. No, End of construction, thank you for your patience. That's what the, the sign reads. End of construction, thank you for your patience. Smiling, she remarked that she wanted those words on the, her gravestone. So after her death in June 2007, her desire was carried out. Her grave marker bears the Chinese character for righteousness. You see, Mrs. Graham was born in China. So beside this word, this character of righteousness was followed by the words that made her smile. End of construction. Thank you for your patience. So we are all under construction. All under construction. God isn't finished with us yet. One day, 
a woman had an angry argument with her husband. Running around the house in the kitchen, she slammed the cabinet doors and was swearing under her breath. Then she glanced out of her screen door and into the startled eyes of a non-Christian neighbor to whom she had been witnessing for some time. Her anger turned into embarrassed laughter. Then she said with frankness, Susan, God isn't finished with me yet. God isn't finished with us yet. This is a process. The process of holiness, the process of what we call sanctification is ongoing, day by day, moment by moment. So the first principle of holy living is present yourselves to God. Present yourself to God. Present your bodies a living sacrifice Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. God wants all of you, every part of you. He says, I want your body plus all it contains. I want the whole of you, spirit, soul, and body. Give me the vessel and I'll have the contents as well. So you are to place yourself on the altar. We are to present our bodies as living sacrifices to God. So unless I make myself available, I am not usable. When I hold on to my own life, God can't give me a holy life in Him. True holiness includes control over our physical bodies and appetites. Honour God with your body you are duty-bound to keep your, your body holy, not defiling it with unclean or excessive habits of any kind. 1 Corinthians 9.27 says, I treat my body like an athlete treats his body. I keep it under subjection. I don't let it dictate to me. The body is a good but a fearful master. Never let your body master you. You master your body. Someone once said, my stomach doesn't tell me when to eat. Your stomach must not tell you when to eat. You tell your stomach when to eat. So when next Thursday comes, when you start on the prayer and fasting, you tell your stomach, hey, lunchtime, no food for you. <laughs> you command your stomach and say, hey, no food for you for this afternoon. That is the point. Don't let your body dictate to you. Our bodies are wonderful creations. But we should dictate to our bodies. The misdeeds of the body are the sinful actions we commit in thought, in word, and in body and deed. Ephesians 5, 3 to 4, and verse 18 says, Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. And verse 18 says, Don't be drunk with wine. Firstly, no sexual immorality. 
as sons and daughters of God, we are, to, we are not to commit adultery. We are not to engage in homosexuality. We are not to engage in any sexual, sexual activity unless we are married. Secondly, no impurity. We are to stay away from all forms of pornography, lewd DVDs, and lustful thinking. And this is what Job 31.1 says. He says, Job says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at young women. That is his covenant, Job's covenant. And likewise, all the men, make a covenant with your eyes not to look lustfully at young women. Thirdly, no greed. Greed means intense desire for wealth, power, or food. Many Malaysians have lost their hard-earned savings due to the desire for quick fortune when they invested their hard-earned money with JJPTR. Now you know about this PTR, huh? rich, poor to rich <laughs> scheme. Don't ever get into this. They promise you the heavens, but they won't deliver to you. Fourthly, don't be drunk. Don't be drunk, not with beer, not with wine, or any alcoholic beverage. 1 Corinthians 8.13 says, Therefore, if food makes my brother to sin, cause my brother to sin, I will never eat meat again, for I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. Susanna Wesley wrote, Whatever increases the strength and authority of your body over your mind, that thing is sin for you, to you. So whatever we eat or drink, let us do so to the glory of God, recognizing that our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, second principle of, of holy living is to be transformed. Do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. As Christians, we are not no longer to be conformed to the patterns of this world, but we are to be renewed in our minds, renewed. Holiness begins in our minds and works out to our actions. It is our thoughts, our emotions, and will that must be held in check. All sin begins in this area. A well-known saying says, says this, sow a thought, reap an act. Sow an act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. When you place your body on the altar, your ambition, your relationships, and your standards are transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we are transformed by firstly, daily renewal through worship and His Word. We need time alone with God, a specific time and a place to read His Word, to worship Him and to pray. Matthew 6, 6, Jesus says, go into your room, close the door, 
pray to your father who is unseen, and then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, David was a man of worship, prayer, and the word. Now, we usually think of David. We usually think that David just appeared to confront a giant on the field of battle. In reality, David has been preparing for that confrontation long before that fateful day. As a boy, David had spent his days out in the fields watching his father's sheep. He spent his time in the fields meditating on the law of God day and night. He wrote songs that spoke of the glory of God. And David was honoured one day when he was brought into the court of King Saul to ease the, the king's tortured mind with the psalms he has written by his constant exposure to God's mindset that he could declare when he finally went to confront Goliath, he could declare these words, you come against me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, whom you have defiled. 1 Samuel 17, 45. Holiness makes prayer more bolder and more effective. You see, on, the, on just a few days ago, in May the 8th, May the 9th, May the 9th, I was in the office and I received a, a call from my elder daughter. She says, Dad, you have to come back now. I said, She said, Mommy cut her hand. She's bleeding very badly. Come back now, take her to the hospital. When I heard that, my imagining, imagination ran wild. I thought she was cutting a chicken and the, the knife bomb went, went into her hand. So I was, you know, I was like, oh yeah, what's happening? So I went into the car, rushed, to rush home, took me about 15, 20 minutes. On the way, I was speaking in tongues. I said, God, you do something. Stop the bleeding, stop the bleeding. And then I started praying in tongues again. When I reached home, I said, Hey, Lynn, how is your hand? She said, I have put a, a towel on the wound. And uh, I said, the bleeding? He said, the bleeding is stopped, has stopped. Praise the Lord, it has stopped. So we took, I took her, I said, you want to go to the hospital? She said, no, no. Just take me to the clinic. Uh, that is lesser. <laughs> clinic means uh, not so dangerous. Lah. So I took her to the clinic. And then uh, the, the doctors saw her hand. The doctor opened up the, the, the towel. The doctor said, oh, uh, I may have to sew you up. Then uh, my wife, Lening, said, oh, I mean, whatever you have to do, you do. So he, the doctor said, if I have to sew you up, I will have to open up the flap. <laughs> the cut one, the cut part. So she, he said, that would be very torturous, would be very painful for you. So, I, so my wife said, well, just do whatever you need to do. So he just said, okay, don't, don't worry. Since you have washed it, you know, you see when she had the presence of mind after her cut, she went straight to the tap, start, started allowing the water to, you know, to wash the wound. So because of that, her wound was uh, clean. 
So the doctor just uh, put some you know, antiseptic and so on and so forth and then put a, a bandage, uh, uh, some kind of a, uh, what do you call that? Uh, some uh, doctors here will know. It's just a, uh, like a plaster, you know, transparent plaster that will stick the wound together. So just uh, uh, about a four, three, four days later, her, her wound got healed. Praise the Lord. Come on, give God praise. So, time alone with God helps us in our prayer life. Time alone with God helps us to have spiritual victory over the fatal attractions of our souls and over the darkness within. So we are transformed, secondly, also by holy fear. Psalm 25, 14 says, The secret of the Lord is with those who fear Him and he will show them his covenant. The fear of the Lord is defined simply as to be terrified of being away from God. To be terrified to be away from God. So once we begin cultivating a healthy fear of God, we will see amazing changes in our lives. God will begin doing things that we never dreamt about. There was this lady and this couple by the name of Cecilia and her husband. She went to the Lord, they went to the Lord for help when their two-year-old son was diagnosed with autism. You see, autism causes children to have difficulty communicating and interacting with others. And it's also accompanied with, by other physical challenges. So as she fasted and prayed, she received revelation about how to pray for her son. By faith, she began to anoint him with oil every day, declaring the word of God over him. Cecilia began to see the healing of her son through eyes of faith until it became a reality. She declared that his neurons are to align to the grand design of God. She prophesied that his vocal cords were loosened to preach and to pray for others. And thirdly, she established that he would have supernatural intelligence. Since then, things changed radically. The year he should have been promoted to first grade. He was promoted to the third grade. He does apparently have supernatural intelligence. Even though he's now only seven years old, he speaks and he reads better than a 10-year-old. And while he formerly had difficulty eating, today he eats normally. And he likes vegetables as well. <laughs> Children normally don't like vegetables. Revelation came to Cecilia through her reverential fear of God and her commitment to seek Him. Although there's no known cure for man, to man for autism, nothing is impossible with our God. Can you say Amen. Whatever your children are going through, it may be cancer, 
It may be any other illness called by any other name. God can heal your child. Thirdly, rest your hope in heaven. Revelation 21.2 says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, of bride beautiful, beautifully dressed for her husband. Jesus will have a holy bride without spot, without wrinkle. But all beautiful in attitude and actions. When your hope is in heaven and in the coming revelation of Jesus Christ, you will be drawn into the holiness of God. Your focus is on Him and reaching your finishing line. We are God's people. We are the bride of Christ. And Christ is holy, so we should and must be holy. The proof of salvation is living a holy life in the Holy Spirit. When you live a holy life, there are blessings. Let me share with you the blessings of holy living. Firstly, you will have joy. Joy is the feeling of great pleasure, of gladness. Secondly, you will have victory. Victory is achieved when God has His will in us and then in our lives. Thirdly, there will be fruitfulness. There will be Christ-like character of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness and gentleness in your life. And then, fourthly, you will have power, the power of holy living. In 1966, during the closing service of the World Congress on Evangelism in Congress Hall in Berlin, Germany, Billy Graham spoke of the need for a, these are the few things he spoke of. He says, a need for a gentleness and a kindness and a love and a forgiveness and a compassion that mark us as different from the world. He said, we must be a holy people. As an illustration of the power of holiness, he spoke of the conversion of Dr. H.C. Morrison, founder of Hashbury Theological Seminary. He described many days ago when Morrison as a farm worker, was plowing in the field. Looking down the road, he saw an old Methodist circuit rider coming by on his horse. Morrison has, had seen the elderly gentleman before and knew, knew that man to be a gracious, godly person. So as he watched the old saint go by, Morrison suddenly felt the power of God over him. So he dropped on his knees. And there between the furrows in his field, alone, he gave his life to God. When he concluded his story, Billy Graham earnestly prayed. And this is what he prayed, Oh God, 
Make me a holy man. Make me a holy man. So the three principles of holy living, firstly, present yourself to God. You must offer yourself as a living sacrifice to God for His use and His purpose. Secondly, we must be transformed. Transformed by the daily renewal through worship, prayer, and the Word of God. And then you must have an, a healthy fear of God. Without a healthy fear of God, you will be doing things that will not bring glory to His name. So you must, be, you must have a holy fear of God. Thirdly, you must rest your hope in heaven. So we are, called, we are called to be holy. We are called to press in to the high life in Christ. Let us pray. Worship team, you will come. Let us continue. Everyone, no looking around, just bow your heads. Close your eyes and meditate on what I've just shared. God says, pursue holiness. God is saying, be holy because I am holy. How's your life today? How's your relationship with God? Are there anything that is not right? Let the searchlight of the Holy Spirit come upon your heart right now. Whatever it is, just tell, talk to the Lord, even right now. Done wrong, just confess it to Him. Lord, forgive me. I've done wrong. He's faithful and just. He will forgive you. All things are possible with our God. He can help you overcome your weakness and struggle to live a holy life.